Welcome to the Waterways World podcast, brought to you in association with ABC Leisure Group, operators of hire fleets and marinas around the UK. Hello and welcome to the Waterways World podcast. I'm Bobby Cowling, the editor of the magazine. In this episode, we found out about the piano boat, a bespoke wide beam replete with a grand piano that is designed as both a floating concert hall and musical hotel boat. It is the vision of Masayuki Tayama, an internationally acclaimed pianist, and his partner Rihanna Henderson, a piano teacher. From their base at Harefield Marina on the Southern Grand Union Canal, the couple intend to provide afternoon and evening cruises, plus extended holiday trips, with musical performances by Massa. With the couple hoping to begin operations in July, it was great to learn more about this unique boat business. So let's hear what Massa and Rihanna have to say. So what's happening with the piano boat at the moment? Well, all that we've been able to do in the last year is really online concerts. So we've been doing... In fact, it's kind of evolved. So we were doing... I think it's an exciting part of what, what we were able to offer. Well, it's not yes. something we would have thought of last year at this point, really. No, yeah. no. I mean, we, we weren't... I don't think most people were planning on doing all the online stuff that we've ended up doing. But um, it's actually been quite nice because we started off doing a live stream of about 15 to minutes to, to half an hour every Sunday. Um, we were doing that on social media uh for about five months last year every single sunday so that was um that was quite fun um and then that evolved to become what's now our monthly online concert series um and we've actually had people from all over the world attending. We had some people in Australia who were getting up at 3 a.m. to watch the concert wow. because of the time difference. So that was quite <laughs> exciting. <laughs> yeah, they had a watch party. Yeah, they, they? they kind of had a, a virtual like coffee after, after the concert. So it was a <laughs> bit of a, an event for them, which was quite cool. <laughs> Great. Oh, yeah. So that's that's been the last year, really, yes. or last eight months or so. Yeah, I suppose we we actually, as it happened, started these lockdown well, not lockdown concerts, but we started doing things every Sunday since May last year. Um, and then, of course, once the boat arrived and everything was set up, we gradually moved towards doing a more sort of a formal um, online concert uh, concerts. And the first one was in December. I think we really yeah. started the. The, uh, the what what's currently running the monthly concerts it certainly keeps me busy. It certainly <laughs> kept me busy. Yeah. So how do people access these online events? We have loads of stuff on Facebook, which is all free, obviously, um, and that's got all of the streams that we did last year as well. Um, for the online concerts, we are just charging ten pounds per ticket for that. So um, just because it's still a concert, and we want to yeah, make yeah. it. Um, we want to make it like an experience for people. Um, so that's the links all on the website, the, the piano boat website is at the top of the page there. Um, and so that's been, uh, we, yeah, we do them about once a month. So I think the next one is probably going to be at the end of May. Um, and, and what we've recently started doing is giving people the opportunity to subscribe, which is the same 10 pounds a month. But in addition to being able to watch the concert live, you also get access to the whole archive of concert recordings, which will obviously grow as we go through the months. So it doesn't cost any extra, but if you commit to doing that every month, then you can watch all of the concerts that we've done since December as well. I see. Looking ahead, when when do you anticipate actually physically being able to host concerts on the boat? Well, this is very exciting. We are now taking bookings from July, which is, you know, more than a year later than we had originally planned. But sure. it's really exciting to actually have the dates and, and you know, the, the excitement for us when we see, we get that email to say that someone's booked. It's like, oh, my goodness, someone's actually, someone's actually booked to come and see the boat, which is amazing. 
So uh, do you know do you know the date when you'll be up and running? I think the first date that we have Wednesday, is 14th. Wednesday 14th of July. Right. Um, so we've got a few dates in July and then we plan to take August to do musical holidays, which I'm ah. going to be hosting. Um, and we, yeah, so people can spend a, a few days on on board and, and have a, a musical holiday. So that will be the plan for August. And then we'll be back to the cruises in September. Oh, right. So do you plan to alternate months between holiday accommodation and concerts? Well, I think, yeah, we'll probably have to stick to holidays for the holidays, um, just because I guess we're in a bit of a transition period with me still doing an awful lot of teaching. So I kind of have to stick to doing teaching during term time. So that's why we've arranged the cruises around. Well, I've arranged my teaching around the days that we're going to be doing cruises. So school holidays, we've said, you know, no teaching, we can be available then. Um, but you know, maybe at some point in the future, it's going to balance out a bit. But I guess we're in a transition where I can't just stop everything else that I'm doing. Um, so we have to kind of, yeah, keep keep a balance there, at least yeah. for now. <laughs> That's no, that that makes sense. Going right back then to the um, the concept of the boat, this idea of having a, a grand piano on the boat which is a fairly off-the-wall kind of concept, really, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when viewed objectively. It's a bit mad. Yeah. This is a bit mad. When did when did this uh, idea first come to you both? Um, well, obviously, the idea was, I mean, I think so far it, it felt a bit like an advert, but um, I think there was an intrinsic desire to share the, the music. And uh, so we knew we wanted a very good instrument in order to do this and uh, we did consider at length digital pianos and then we've got the nine speakers and to recreate the concert halls of the world Wigmore Hall Carnegie Hall whatever but I think in the end the more we looked at the more we decided we really want an acoustic piano for the 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 really authentic experience and mm. um, so then eventually we settled on on, on on a proper grand piano and the largest that would fit comfortably is what we ended up with, but I, I must say, even at this stage, it has certainly created an awful lot of, lot of problems. Really, a lot of extra work. I mean, even as I speak now, because we've been home for a, a day or so now, I'm thinking: has the, de- the 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 humidifier, has the water tank ran out? So I'm constantly looking at the the Wi-Fi apps which tell me what the humidity is at the moment and the temperature and i think a week or so ago there was one uh, it's surprisingly dry this is something i found quite interesting because a lot of people were saying oh you can't have acoustic pianos on the water it's going to be all humid and all that but we find just because we obviously use central heating we we actually find it's as dry as any on on land and the boat is really well insulated so um, we're we're actually finding we have to use an awful lot of the humidifier um, so, you know, that side of it certainly has been as sort of a headache, really, in that um, it would have been a lot more liberating if we just got a digital piano. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's, as you say, it's the, the acoustics just, just... It will make yeah. quite a difference. I mean, we tried quite a few of them. They're very decent. But in the end, we, we felt, OK, it's not really, you know, to offer concerts. I don't mm. think it quite works in the same way. So we, no. we, we settled on a, an acoustic piano in the end yeah when i came to visit the one thing that interested me was that the original concept was to perhaps have a narrow boat with a yeah. <laughs> piano on oh, board master um, still dreams about that narrow boat i'm still looking forward to getting mozart i mean this one is <laughs> rachmaninoff so i'm i'm right. Here. Right, so we're gonna, oh. are we going to have a fleet of boats? I, <laughs> that would be his dream, all different composers, yeah. I mean, that would have to be a, a, a digital piano, but I mean, there are really fairly fairly decent ones, but I think the experience will be uh, a bit different. I think this one, we ended up with this sort of luxury spec concert hall 
feel. But when yeah. we were doing the hire boots and Rihanna was talking about, hey, how about actually the idea of inviting people on board to do concerts back then? I don't think we quite felt this sort of need for the luxury feel. It was just more of a an informal, casual, let's you know enjoy music together, that sort of thing. Mm. So it's, <laughs> it's sort of yeah. slightly deviated from my original um, vision, but I think it, it is something that's very unique. Yeah, so, um, and I guess we wanted it to be something that I mean, obviously, it's not something that that I don't well, I don't think anybody else is doing anything quite like this. So we wanted it to be memorable, which hopefully we will achieve mm. with what we've got. But yes, Mo, uh, Massa's dream of Mozart would be uh, probably a more humble setting. Well, I still would <laughs> one day want to have a narrow boat to skipper. I was going to yeah. say this. It does sound like it. This Mozart concert might will become a reality in the future. Oh, so. gosh, yeah, don't um, get him started on that. So, okay. Um, so was it at Quick Boat Show where you first saw a, a wide beam and, and realised that that might be the solution to your... Yes, that's right. I mean, I remember because we we have done quite a few higher holidays. We were familiar with you know shuffling uh, around to you know pass each other uh, on narrowboats and things. And then we, we stepped on board it was a nine foot wide i think and we couldn't believe the the spaciousness even it, even though it was a nine foot wide boat and uh, that's where it, i think it actually became more of a reality to consider oh maybe we can do this because as much mm. as i would have liked a narrow boat um, um to, to cruise around the waterways I, I i did feel how realistic is it to actually invite you know even as many as well we can't fit 12 anyway but uh I think it suddenly became a reality. We almost were about to place an order there yeah. and then because yeah. we were so excited about it. Look really? at the yeah. spaciousness yeah. and you yeah. know we could possibly. And then, of course, there are a lot of um, feasibility study and things like that to go afterwards before we actually committed. But I think that was a pivotal moment when we actually realized, hey, maybe we could do this. Mm. I mean, we did spend a lot of time looking at the layout that we could maybe do for a, a narrow boat, but you know everybody knows that a narrowboat is not the most spacious so trying to get a piano in there as well as you know 12 people as well as accommodation for the holidays that we wanted to do yeah. it was it was pretty <laughs> tight um would you have been able to get a grand no i don't no. I, I don't there are boats so. with uh, upright pianos um that that we have heard of but i don't think a grand piano would fit in any no. context Really? Well, you wouldn't probably be able to get anything else in there. <laughs> it would be like a storage space for... for just a piano, yes. Yeah. So after Crick, you went through several different boat builders, didn't you? Yeah, well, we ended up at TriStar, but that was after a bit of trial and error <laughs> with a couple of others because um, we saw this nine foot and then we knew that there was a couple of companies that did that. So we spoke to them. And so were you going for the nine foot wide? Boat? We were originally, yeah. yes. Oh, and right. We had this huge debate about Massa saying, I can't be anything bigger than a narrow boat. You know, I'm going to, oh, I don't want to drive anything wider <laughs> than that. And then I, I still, I, to be really honest, I can't say that I've enjoyed cruising on the 12 foot so far. <laughs> I mean, right. I'm so, so conscious of boats coming this way. And, and you know, the, the first sign of a hint of a boat cruising this way, I'd quickly find a spot where I can safely retreat so that. Um, you know we, we make way for them and and it, it just it, and every bridge that we go past i mean you know obviously the arch and the what's the the footway is quite narrow so um yeah, you know, it, yeah. it's just a different experience i think the rivers would be good uh, but it's a very different uh, different thing i think so on the canals you know wide beams <laughs> they do take up a lot of room so uh yeah so I, I i do remember saying oh at most it could couldn't be possibly more than nine foot wide because we <laughs> did actually try out um with one of the the builders that um we were approaching at the beginning we actually they actually said oh we've got a nine foot would you want to to have a go so we actually oh. um went up and uh we had a go and it was okay i remember feeling oh this is not too different to a mm. narrow boat that's yeah. manageable well, because you could see down both sides uh, yeah, of it. Yeah, well, that was the difference. If you, you don't have to, you know, sort of take a walk to the <laughs> other side of the boat to see, you know, where you are. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that was just about okay for me back yeah. then. Well, those I was de desperately trying to persuade Massa that we really needed something wider to fit in this piano. And he was 
absolutely adamant that it was not going to happen. Um, I mean, obviously, you know what the outcome was, <laughs> but um, but he was, you know, completely set on having something as narrow as possible. Yeah, yes. But it didn't quite work out with those early boat builders, did it? No, no. I mean, we had a couple of consultations. We actually put down a deposit with one builder. Um, but I think as we went further into the process, it just became clear to both of us, well, to us and the builder, that they were just not in a position to offer what we wanted in terms of the bespoke, bespoke design. Because it was, mm. you know, I, I'm sure for boat builders, it's not efficient to spend loads of time researching and designing something different every time you get a new customer so it's easier for them to kind of do very nice boats but with a very similar design every time and that was what they were really good at um so it just it it just didn't work out so you know that was that was quite disappointing and we were back to square one um but it was actually massa who came across tristar when he found an article in waterways world about the hybrid that they'd done um and then he got in touch with them and um a couple of weeks later we met up um and and they seemed very keen on doing something really bespoke and they said that was going to be possible and um, so it seemed very promising when we met them it did it did um, happen quite quickly once we we spoke to them <laughs> i suppose we did kind of warm to the fact that jeremy um was sort of like used to do stage and um construction backstage and things and was it did he repair violins yeah. and you know it's suddenly yes, oh, there's yes. a, <laughs> there's a, and then of course it really helped that michelle was a is a is an interior is an interior designer um so a lot of the ideas i mean we still sort of shudder at the, at the horror of how we approached them we had really very little idea we said something like this something like that and uh, you know it, it really helped that um, in the end that she was able to suggest all the ideas because we did we didn't really have you know specific ideas it's quite interesting because we spoke to someone who's now their current customer they're they're building a boat for him now and we were talking to him and he was he actually said oh you know i had this um photo book a collection of of all these photos and ideas that he wanted, uh, which he apparently presented to Michelle. And we had nothing of the thought. It was just a quick sketch that I did on the iPad. And uh, we right. said something like this. Um, so, you know, it was it really worked out well. I mean, I'm, all, I'm sure all the boat builders, they have their own ways. But I, I do remember feeling some of them that we approached, I wonder how they would have, you know, materialized the very vague concepts that... Uh, we had so I, I think yeah. it worked really well, and of course uh, it, was, it was. They were building a um, a barge, a Dutch barge, yeah. when we approached TriStar, and that was a really unique build as well. Apparently, in that the the, the customer wanted two of everything, um, you know, <laughs> including pra- two engines, two, I think. practically everything, battery banks, right. and they they wanted two of everything. Apparently, um, right. so that was a really. And I remember Jeremy talking about how they had to do lots of research for this and that and the other, and that really did did spark our attention because whereas we were sort of met with reluctance to research new things um, with the other boat builders you know as as we say I'm sure they have their own way of doing things but we found that um, Tristar really weren't hesitant um, to really go ahead and and do the research I mean that's how we ended up with this um, these handrails which I always look at I mean we say ended up but I think it really looks very smart and um, it looks the part, but uh, they were the first to say, oh, look, you know, you need these handrails. And I remember arguing with them, do you really need it? I mean, it, it, it's going to obscure the view. It's not going to be very nice. But uh, uh, obviously, particularly in view of the fact that we do want to eventually um, cruise on the tidal stretch of the Thames as well. They wow. said, you know, it's an absolute must. And, you know, we would say, oh, you know, but we have seen such and such uh, canal boats do this. And they said, well, just because someone's doing it that way, it doesn't mean that um, it's correct and legislation do change and it might have been okay back then. And <laughs> we needed a lot of persuade, persuasion to go with, with what they were insisting that uh, we needed. So it was it was a really good, um, reassuring working relationship that, uh, that we've had throughout the build. That's lovely. You must have had some specifications, though. I mean, um, you must have had an idea because because of the holiday, uh, uh, the onboard accommodation element. Yeah, you, you knew that. I guess that there was the galley wasn't going to be yeah as big as a, a typical wide beam, perhaps, and the saloon was going to be the the main kind of 
yeah space social space aboard yeah I mean I think once we got started with actually looking at the floor plan you know it did change a lot even after we met them because we were originally going to them with the idea of a nine foot wide and then we came to the conclusion that that just wasn't big enough so it had to be 10 foot and then it had to be 11 foot but the steel workers wouldn't do 11 foot so it ended up being 12 foot um (laughs) Oh so you know, with each, yeah, exactly. <laughs> with each extra foot, you know, the design did change a bit as we went. But I guess it was fortuitous that we had already been through the process with at least one other builder because we did have an outline idea of what we wanted, and we had an idea of the basic specs. But there were a lot of things that we didn't even know were things that you had to think about until it came around to making a decision. So it did help to have, I mean, they're obviously hugely knowledgeable, which was a a massive benefit to us Mm. because we it turned out we weren't as knowledgeable as we maybe thought we were uh, yeah i mean it's really strange how people can do this i mean like this um the customer their current customer that i was just talking about he really seems to know his stuff and i just don't know where they get the the information i thought we read books we read articles and we scarred the internet and uh, we thought we, we we would have done as much we can to to try and narrow down what's possible but uh, I, again i think tristar was very helpful in um in materializing our ideas because i mean like the basics i knew that for example the holding tank the waste tank wants to be closer to the bathroom and i would kind of draw a pipe and how about this and that and of course they'd say well actually if you look at this you can't connect from this point to that point but they really did manage to to come up with various solutions i mean i think we even had originally the pump out outlet on the roof and i thought oh i'm not sure about that and they managed to find a way where it can be rooted safely um so it's still on the gunnel without uh, too much difficulty so uh, there was a lot that they they did the input really Mm. successfully so um, i suppose we did have good ideas of what we wanted um we we obviously wanted the large concert saloon which did go a little bit smaller so again michelle found this uh, formula for how much space you'd need um sort of in a concert venue i suppose um for people to be comfortable in so that's that's what we have which is which is very good um and the the main bedroom actually is slightly more spacious than i would have thought and i would have really liked that very very pokey crew room but i think it's almost too much really it's I, pretty tiny. I don't think it can I, I like this small confined space. I would have I wouldn't have minded if it was even tinier, but I have a feeling so that they thought surely for a human being to be comfortable, <laughs> you know, they they felt that they needed the extra inch or I two. agree. <laughs> but the boat has quite a luxury specification, doesn't it? Yes. I mean we've got the the look that we were going for with the interior design was I mean, I ended up looking at things like luxury yachts just to get some inspiration um, because it's all wood and nice paneling and that kind of thing. Um, And we've got, you know, marble tiles in the gallery, in the galley, marble basins in the in the two ensuite toilets. So we've we've got some nice materials in the boat um, and, you know, things like large solar panel bank of two kilowatts, which I suppose is... Uh, maybe that's the luxury in the technology side of things that we we did get as well. I think that was my side of the concern, really. I mean, I think we've got a good bow thruster. It has really served its purpose well so far. It really does help quite a bit. And uh, the engine, we haven't obviously uh, cruised against currents just yet. But um, given how it feels, obviously it's got ample power. And the, uh, the the hybrid spec is good. The battery bank we went for the the extra uh, extra. Uh, we I think we have one thousand eighty five ampere hours at forty eight volts. So um, we we did sort of you know add to the spec to make sure that we are comfortable in uh, what we want to do. So in that context, I think it, I mean, it's hard to know what what context of luxury is but i mean like the floor is really nice we just asked for parquet and uh, they they stained it really nicely and um, and they've got this nice decorative feature on the floor as well um so i I think everywhere that i look there's something which is which is really nice um nice space to be in Mm. on the floor heating as well air conditioning 
Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've, the air conditioning was um, really a necessity for the piano because we know it can get very hot in the summer, which it did last summer, um, you know, when the weather goes up to 35 degrees. So it's quite essential then. And if, especially if we've got people inside, they'll be, you know, melting. <laughs> so now, I wonder if we had the idea of aircon before we committed to getting an acoustic piano. I can't remember now. I mean, I, I did always did. want an yeah, aircon, aircon because on the higher boat, I mean, obviously it's nice to open up all the windows, but I know how dusty it gets. And uh, of course, you know, it gets dusty in the house as well. Um, but I, I, I did feel that the aircon was going to be a must. And that was really, in the end, we did go for a rather high spec in that we've got a chiller uh, system in the uh, in the engine bay and uh, we've got the chilled water running across the vessel so we have air handlers in the crew bedroom as well we ended up why not we ended up uh, with aircon in the crew bedroom and of course the guest bedroom as well as the saloon we have two air handlers to make sure that there's enough cooling capacity so uh, i suppose that's sort of a fairly high spec as well and the underfloor heating is very nice in the winter yeah not in the saloon though the piano wouldn't like <laughs> that so we've got it in the in uh, the two bedrooms and the bathrooms yeah but there's a stove in the saloon, isn't there? There is a stove. It's a problem. Oh, <laughs> we, right. really, we really, really wanted a stove because that's always been, you know, my favourite thing about the hire boats is just having a stove. But we haven't been able to light it yet because we haven't quite worked out how we can do it without having a big temperature spike in the saloon which will affect the tuning of the piano so we are yet to solve that one but we were determined that we had to have a stove Um, and as somebody pointed out to us the other day they are very dusty as well so of course we'd have to have the piano closed and you know wrapped up away from the stove and screens and all sorts of things so we haven't quite figured that one out yet but we've got a screen that we are hoping to use at some point I mean it's too warm now isn't it it's so warm, yeah. <laughs> we need to wait until uh, next winter yeah you, you can uh, you can kick that can down the, down the road finally. yeah exactly <laughs> on the on the cruises first these are going to be four hour experiences run from Harefield Marina near Uxbridge on the Grand yeah. Union what form will they take well we've got two at the moment we had to scrap one of our ideas because of the pandemic and the social distancing requirements and all of that so what we have at the moment is an afternoon tea cruise which is four hours as you say um which will be starting at two o'clock so it'll be an afternoon cruise um and the idea is that people will come on board they'll have a drink and then we will set off and um approximately halfway into the cruise we'll moor up somewhere and have a performance and then on the way back the afternoon tea will be served right so that is at the moment on Sundays um and all starting in July and then the other one that we have is these brunch cruises which is a new thing that we had to come up with because originally we were going to be doing canapes but at the moment I don't think you can pass around trays of food so um, we had to come up with something that would mean that people can just, you know, sit separately and have their own food. So that was the brunch. Sure. And so this is kind of starting late morning and it's three and a half hours. So it's slightly shorter and designed to fit into the middle of the day. You know, people have got um, school runs or commitments in the afternoon and evening, then you can just do it kind of midday and then carry on with the rest of your day. Yeah, sure. Um so those are the two that we've got, and that those are on Wednesdays, right? Um, so midweek, um, and yes, it, we are moored in Harefield, um, but our meeting point is slightly outside of the marina. So we'll bring people on on the canal side rather than in the marina, mm-hmm. um, probably a little bit more accessible, and then cruise from there, and then return return on the way back. So, and Rihanna, you're doing the hostessing are you and uh, yeah and so food, food preparation 
<laughs> yeah, you well, some sample menus <laughs> you can share. Come on. Um, well, we will have, of course, scones and um, sandwiches, maybe beef and horseradish, uh, something for the vegetarians, like a nice egg mayonnaise done nicely. Um, <laughs> uh, so that'll be afternoon tea and then some cakes as well. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got a nice clementine cake, which oh. we've sampled, which is very <laughs> tasty yeah. um so yeah i'm going to be doing the the hosting and the food preparation brunch menu. and um well we've got uh what have we got for brunch you haven't practiced this <laughs> have you so massa you're going to be captain and concert pianist yes i think i'll be mostly driving and then uh, and then once we moor up i will quickly retreat to the the main the guest bedroom which becomes a green room um, so I would have all the things there. Um, so I'm looking forward to, particularly after the performance, it's, it does get very heated. I would look forward to cranking up the aircon in the, uh, the guest bedroom or the green room afterwards. But uh, that's where I would change uh, and then do the concert. Um, so there'll be a, 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 while, a short while for people to go off the boat and take a walk if they want, uh, probably about a quarter of an hour or so when mm. we set things up. So, uh, so I'd be doing most of the driving. Um, and um, as a pianist, I, I think nowadays it's quite common for people to, to meet and talk. So obviously I'd be doing a little bit of that um, post the performance as well. But uh, Mainly I, with your guests, talking with you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise I think I'd be mostly driving, um, which would be the same for, I mean, I think the, the holiday side of things really is, is sort of Rihanna's passion. I mean, her parents run a... Um, a holiday, uh, holiday thing up in Scotland as well, and uh, it, it's it's this hosting thing. <laughs> to be honest, isn't hugely my thing, but I think that's that's how we manage to combine our passion um, <laughs> together yeah. somehow. I have nothing; it's absolutely fine. I can greet people; um, that's absolutely <laughs> fine. But it's not my forte. Well, I'll be doing most of the hosting and and entertaining yeah. um, for the holidays. Yeah. Um, so. It sounds like you've got a good a good mix of. Um, characteristics and qualities there so. yeah hopefully i mean this is it's it's a bit kind of mad because this is all in theory at the moment because of course we haven't been able to do anything but yeah. um that's the plan anyway so uh, presumably on the 14th of july with that being a wednesday that's going to be a brunch out, yes yes so we just the way it's worked out we're starting with the brunches but I mean we're hoping to do a launch weekend on the 10th and 11th of July but uh, we're still trying to trying to source a, a location for that at the moment um it'll be in London anyway but of course I'm sure everybody wants to do things in London at the moment <laughs> so we're still looking around for for a place that we can do that mm. um but yes we are starting with a brunch and um, that doesn't leave us very many weeks before we go into the holidays in August. What routes will the holidays cover? Yes uh, we looked at various routes and I think to start off with for the August one we're looking to go through central London and up towards uh, Hartford that um, seems to be the most um, most interesting I think uh, if we were to divide it into segments I mean the River Thames would be nice but we haven't actually been on the river yet so I wouldn't want to to try things that we haven't done yet whereas we have cruised through central London already fairly familiar we might be a bit busy with the traffic so we need to make sure we allow plenty of time but that that's I mean in, in a way that was what sparked my original intrigue with the canals because it was when I went back in 2011 when I went on this London canal cruise with Alex um, Alex uh, Nunes who was the chairman of the London Canal Museum um, and uh, he, he took me on the on this um this pathway through the back streets of London in a way it was really eye-opening to see these very different scenery which was right in the heart of London yeah um, so I think there's a lot of interesting um, things to see and things to talk about going through central London. And then once, once we approach uh, towards Hartford, we will go back to more of the, the greenery and nature. So it, it provides a good uh, mixture um, for on this route. We did consider going up to Milton Keynes, but um, I think it's going to be more rural throughout, which might be okay for some, but I just felt it. let's combine our passion as well as uh, what we can offer. 
So that's that's what we've settled at the moment. So we're, yes. we'll be cruising through central London, uh, to right the way to East London, and then up towards uh, uh, Hartford. So there'll be a few legs of the journey that people can join on if they if the dates or the location <laughs> suits them. Yes, I see. And what about this Thames concept? Because you've mentioned that a few times. Mm. Well, I just think, given that we've got a wide beam, at least on the river, <laughs> the, the the joy of cruising might be more prominent for the uh, the, the driver. <laughs> I, yes. <laughs> well, it's not just that, though, is it? I mean, we you know the, we've been on the well, we've been on the tidal Thames a couple of times on other people's narrowboats, which has been pretty hair-raising and exciting. Sure. Um, but, you know, it would be amazing to be able to cruise along that stretch with with our boat um, and, you know, to, to take people there as well. I think it would be more for the holidays than the cruises, just because of where we're located. It would take us a couple of days to get there. Um, but it would be a really interesting route to offer. Sure, um, yeah. especially for people maybe coming abroad because obviously Massa's got friends and family in Japan and you know they've said oh that sounds amazing and I think for people coming who are not from London you know to see that part of the city that's that's iconic so that would be really interesting for people to see it from that perspective. I think that the Lower Thames is a fantastic uh, mm. a fantastic route and yeah I can see why you'd want to take advantage of having having that in fairly yeah. close proximity to you well, that's right. yeah it's not too far I mean we're quite well placed in that we're in a really nice quiet part of London um but not too far from central that we can't get there in a day or two yes. yeah 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 it's quite doable I think yeah, yeah. just a handwall flight to <laughs> conquer <potential. laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I think the problem is because it's a wide beam, we can't share locks with other boaters. When we did the cruise with the St Pancras Cruising Club uh, for the Regions Canal 200th anniversary oh, last you October. You did that, right. Okay, I didn't know Yeah, that. We, we joined the flotilla, which was oh, really yeah. a lot of fun. But we ended up um, holding back the latter half of the flotilla quite considerably yeah. because it was just two of us. And we did tick the box to say, oh, we will welcome crew. But I think with social distancing and everything that was happening at the time, it was just not feasible. So it was just two of us um, having to go through all the locks. And uh, we, we did sort of hold back. I mean, there was quite a lot of fear because we didn't even know whether we would fit through the Maida Vale Tunnel and the Islington Tunnel. So we had to kind of really float towards it and then just really go slowly. Uh, so I don't think we were very popular, but it was all very exciting to do these things. Um, so where did you head? Did you go down to Limehouse Basin? Yeah, we went all the way to Lime, Limehouse. Uh, and then I, I remember doing a concert because it was on the Sunday, it was on the Saturday evening we arrived and then we had supper at the Cruising Association. And then on Sunday morning, it was again the regular Sunday morning uh, short performance that I was doing. So I remember tying up... Um, well, actually, the boat went a bit loose, didn't it? Yeah, well, it started floating off when Massa was in the middle of playing. So we got a knock on the window from someone says, your boat's going off. Yeah, so so I had, had to run yeah. outside and tie us up again all the while, Massa. I was busy keeps... playing a Beethoven sonata. Yeah, oh, well, that's, that could be quite so, apt, perhaps. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's never a dull moment on board. Yeah. <laughs> the boat's called Rachmaninov which is obviously named after the Russian composer. Mm. I've yeah. read recently that he had a very, uh, Rachmaninoff had a very wide finger span. Yeah. Is, yes. do, do you have that? Master? I have enough, fortunately, to do be you? able to play his works. For example, the opening of the his second piano concerto, there are big chords that start off the work. And there, I don't have to spread the chords. I can play all the chords in one go. So um, right. that, that, that does well enough for me. So okay. uh, it's just about okay. Right. I mean, I think in musical terms, he could reach something like an 11th, which is... But Rachmaninoff? Yeah. I thought it was much more than that. Was it? A 13th, yeah. maybe? It, just, it, it was just, ginormous. It, it's normal. it was an abnormality, apparently. <laughs> right. But then he wrote really unreasonable music that people can't play. Right. <laughs> as a result. But, you Except know, Massa can. Well, just about. I, yes. I think it's okay. I don't find yeah. it that extraordinary. He didn't just, you know, write really difficult chords just for the sake of... Well, I can't play them. <laughs> no, but I, th I think, no, I think, because uh, I can just reach a tenth, which is enough to, to get by oh, yeah, for his work. Oh, yeah, of course, it must be more yeah. than that. Yeah, but in, in layman terms, that's like, 
well, I mean, I, I suppose I have a fairly normal hand span. It's about probably two to three inches wider than I can reach, yeah. which is quite huge when mm. you're talking about piano size. <laughs> well, I know you're both very talented musicians, but uh, Master, you were recognised as having a talent for music at quite a young age. Yes, I, I, I mean, I, I didn't have pushy parents, but I started playing at about the age of five. We just happened to have a piano in the house. And it, was, it wasn't actually Rachmaninoff, but it was Mozart's music that really led me to just tinkle away at the piano that happened to be. And I remember carrying a this yellow label cassette tape with me, treasuring it, just carrying it everywhere. It was Mozart's piano concerto, his wow. last concerto he wrote in B-flat major. And I would sort of you know, mimic the melody and my parents thought, why not send him off for some piano lessons? And that's where it really started. And you were on radio at... Yeah, at the oh, age yes, of yes. 10. Yeah. 10, yeah. Well, yes, so family, annoying, isn't it? <laughs> I started off in Japan and the family moved to this country when I was about six or seven. And then um, the, the, the teacher here seemed to find it quite extraordinary. And uh, so he was quite pushing me in those directions and, mm. you know, radios and concerts and things like that. And when did you become, yeah. when did you start giving performances? It's always difficult to, to quantify sort of a pianist's career. But I mean, yeah. in a way, even when you're studying, you start to do concerts. Um, so it's, it's hard to know exactly at what point. But I suppose I did my um, debut recital at Wigmore Hall, uh, which is always one of the the highlight. Um, and then I did um, concertos at the Queen Elizabeth Hall and uh, and that sort of thing. So, And then I did a return, another solo recital at the Wigmore Hall again. And and then I've since done St. John Smith Square and various Cadogan Hall and various venues. So I think, you know, that's when you'd assume that um, you're sort of more active as a, as a pianist. But, um, you know, I, it's always been part of, almost part of the study process to give concerts anyway. So it's always... Mm quite hard to to work out yeah. exactly when European but I think it's interesting in this country I find that um, often you know great pianists do teach and that, uh, whereas in Japan it's a there's a strange concept that once you teach you're not a pianist anymore and I remember there's a there was one Japanese pianist who <laughs> in his um, Japanese website he wouldn't put anything about teaching and yet for the English one, he would quite openly put that he teaches at the conservatoire in Tokyo and things like that, which I found quite interesting because he was obviously aware of this. But uh, here yeah, I, I did teach at Cheatham's School of Music, which is a specialist music school, um, which I enjoyed for many years. But the commute from London to Manchester became a, quite, a, quite a, a burden, of course, um, in trying to balance that um, time between being the pianist and being the piano teacher. Mm. But uh, it's all been a lot of fun. Do you anticipate continuing to perform abroad when, you know, no, normal life resumes? Well, I, I, I was never one to really live off suitcases, so that didn't really suit my lifestyle. But, um, I mean, now that we've got the, the, the what we call the world's most intimate concert hall in which I will be um, playing quite extensively, I would imagine that's where the focus will be for at least for quite a while and see how things go. Yeah. At the moment, because we ended up with a really, um, a really nice piano, I'm a bit protective about it. <laughs> so we were not looking to, to hire out the venue per se. So we really, I want the instrument. To, I mean, if you if you listen to violinists, you find this quite often. I I know some violinists who wouldn't even let anywhere near their instruments. But we're talking about Stradivarius, and you know they cost millions and millions. Yeah. But uh, we, even on the piano. The, the piano that I always had since 1987, the, the Steinway Model O, I do feel it has mellowed and it's really settled into my tone. So I'm hoping to 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 do the same with the, the new piano. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I would imagine I would be on board quite uh, <laughs> prominently for at least the foreseeable future, really. I remember you saying in the interview that um, as a pianist, you're constantly living with the pressure of performing. And... <clears throat> you discovered that being by the water is actually a, a great way for you to relax and remove yeah, yeah, I think it's, I don't know what it is. Is it the floating boat? But I, every time we would go on the higher boat, I would just set, set step one step onto the boat and suddenly the, the stress is gone and you know, there's a sense of liberation. I, I 
it's very difficult to explain why or what, but it's just a very different experience. And I do think it, it, it is, even though this is a wide beam and you don't quite feel the rocking, there is a sense, a very different sense of the serenity. Um, it, it, we once had some some of our friends when when it was safe to do so, and they were actually saying, do you know, maybe you already, you've got used to it, but it's incredibly quiet here and it's very peaceful. It's very different. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there there is that sense that it brings mm-hmm. with with that uh, sensation. So, yeah, I mean, that that's part of what I enjoy. I mean, you know, I mean, this is, as Rihanna said, sort of a transition period. It, it, the boat is large enough to, to simply live on, and that I'm already living on it, really. Yeah. Um, really? Yeah. Yes, because I mean that's where everything is at the moment. I practice there, and um, obviously we've got good internet, and I, I'm practically living there already. I mean, we do have one trailer located at the marina where we've got things for the cruises, like lots of glasses and various things that we need for the changeovers. But everything is happening at the marina in that sense. So um, I'm, yeah, I'm sort of part already yeah, living. Well, on. yeah, most of the week you're there, and and yeah. um, most of the week I'm. Here teaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that that's going to change from you know when the when the operation gets going in July. It it, it will to an extent, um, but as we said, it is really a, a bit of a transition. So I can't I can't just drop my teaching. And you know, we we maybe talked about the possibility of could we even teach from the boat? But because of the location and because there's hundreds of thousands of piano teachers all across London. Um, I don't think my students would be willing to travel that distance, um, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes for a piano lesson. Yeah. Um, so I would be starting again from scratch, which would be, which is probably now is not the time to be doing that. No. Um, but yes, we will be hopefully getting into a bit more of a routine um, from July. Yeah, it's been a bit difficult to find that routine throughout these um, bizarre periods because we there were a number of period, a few occasions where we thought, oh, we could start. We even considered starting in January. And then, of course, the next lockdown came. And and I, I quite like routine. So it's been slightly strange in that um, it's been a bit difficult to find the, the set routine to go about things, really. Yeah. But uh, I think in terms of transition, yes, it will. I mean, I'm now only teaching um, on, on one day a week. I've managed to really just narrow everything down that, to focus on just one day a week of teaching. So I do, I do at this point still come home in that sense um, to do the lessons. But otherwise, you know, I can I can actually stay on board throughout the rest of the week. Um, but you know, with Rihanna teaching quite extensively at the moment and I think one of the difficulty was that um, as much as we had sort of had the feasibility study um, it didn't quite work out um, how the the study found at all in that inevitably you know there's a quite a lot of costs involved I mean I remember seeing on forums about some of the hotel boats running at a loss and we thought "Mm, really but I don't think you know as much as we, we we relied on the feasibility study Unfortunately, I don't think it came quite accurate enough to the point that there is still some concern about are we just subsidizing um, this piano boat activity activity through through you know the other other sources of income. So it, it may well be quite a while before you know this sort of transition is really going to be comfortable. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine that the next few months are going to be it's going to be a period of great change. But I guess mm. that's. Um, exciting as well isn't it yeah it is definitely um i mean we are really excited to be able to finally finally start cruising i mean you know it's the the whole project has been at least three years in the making and of course last year we were actually supposed to start at the worst possible time so we are just keeping everything crossed that nothing is going to change and that we can actually go ahead now as planned in the summer and you know it's a good time to be starting because it'll be hopefully the weather will be nice and people will have been stuck at home for a year and they'll be wanting to go out and do things so you know and what better place than the the peaceful canals and the piano recitals and the piano of course yes yes. yeah (laughs) yeah i think it has yeah it has really been exciting all together in 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 that context i mean the online concerts having established themselves has really been useful because, you know, the piano needs playing in. 
And um, the even though it's online, the sense of live performance is still just as scary and nerve wracking as anything else. So it's I think it was it's been a really useful thing, and it's really exciting that the the online side of the audience is actually growing as well because we get international. Um, audiences and various, even from Scotland and wherever else, where it may not be that easy um, to, to to travel down to enjoy the actual cruises. But uh, I, we find that there's a certain um, sense of support and community growing on the online side of yeah. of the, uh, the, the the events as well. That's which has also been really exciting. Mm. And at the moment, the latest thing that I've literally today, or was it yesterday? Um, just the last few days. I've been scrolling, refreshing the YouTube stats because we're just literally about 30 people away from that 1K subscriber. <laughs> they coveted 1,000 yeah. people. Yeah, so yeah, that's so, all been very exciting yeah. as well. <laughs> so people can see your, your work on YouTube as well. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have, we don't put too much of sort of like piano recitals, but we've got everything from the when we first did the acceptance trial and how scary it was to the piano being craned in, and uh, we did a, a little thing on when we cruised through central London as well. And the latest one we've managed to get together somehow. I mean, these things do take time, and uh, we sort of left it for quite a bit, and um, I've sort of started picking up the pieces, and uh, we've managed to just do the walkthrough of the. The boat, so that would be quite interesting. I think it was because we had that virtual quick show, and um, we spoke to Michelle and Jeremy and said, "Oh, look, you know, do you know we'd be happy to be on board and uh, answer questions if anyone's interested." And uh, so we tidied the place up, and we thought, "Oh, since we've really made the place look really shiny again, why not just do a walkthrough video at the same time?" So that's been getting quite a lot of um, view counts. So I'm delighted to say, so, <laughs> so generating. Generating a lot of interest. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll we'll get there with it. I mean, it's it seems to be um, a very fast growing area on YouTube, and there's so so many people doing mm. really interesting um, different videos on you know narrowboat life and canals and things like that. So we just thought we don't we we know there's a lot of people doing it already we don't really want to compete with that but hopefully we have something a bit different Definitely. that we can show people with the kind of the music side of of being on the water so that was that was the mm. angle that we thought we could provide which is a bit different well you know i think you've got a very unique concept and it's been very well executed and i hope everything does go well for you um Thank you. The restrictions continue to be lifted, and um, yeah, it's been it's been brilliant talking to you both again. It's been really great fun. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's been much. it's been great, and yeah, pop down to the boat when you've got a free afternoon. I definitely, definitely <laughs> will do. Yes. Great. Thank you so much. For 45 years, the ABC Leisure Group has been at the forefront of the waterways leisure industry. With 15 strategically placed marinas around the UK, it has hundreds of moorings with modern facilities and a range of benefits. ABC also runs a successful and competitive boat brokerage business. Visit abcboatsales.com, as well as over 200 luxury hire boats and day boats visit abcboathire.com. Furthermore, it offers a range of land-based holiday accommodation, including waterside holiday cottages and caravan parks. Visit abcholidaycottages.com. <laughs>